Christmas is a time of giving, and certainly this is true. A lot of people, uh, especially in the next few weeks, will be looking for ways to help those in time of need. But as the church fulfilling the Great Commission, I wonder, have we compromised our stand by wanting to meet the needs more of people physically instead of spiritually? All of this and more in today's podcast. I'm Damon Matichera. Let's talk missions. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm glad that you've tuned in and that we can continue this journey together as we talk about the Great Commission. But first, we have officially entered December. It is the most wonderful time of the year. We have Christmas, we have New Year's, and what is not to love? Uh, you know, I love this time of year. Um, growing up in New York, it, you know, the weather gets cold. We're always hoping for a white Christmas, something which we're not going to get here in Africa. Um, but, you know, growing up, that's what we wanted. You know, we wanted that white Christmas. We wanted the cold weather to get your winter gear out uh, and just a lot of tradition, a lot of fun. Uh, and I hope wherever you are this month that you are going to enjoy your time with your family, with friends. Uh, our family, we put up our tree before Thanksgiving. And I know you're probably wondering, Damon, how could you do it? How could you succumb to the pressures of the far left and put your tree up before Thanksgiving. I'm sorry, I gave in. I compromised and I gave in. I, we put it up and it was difficult. And maybe that's why we started so early is because it was like a, a week or two process. This tree we inherited from another missionary family and the thing is old. It was old when we got it. And the branches are falling apart, the needles are falling apart, the color has faded. Uh, I had to take four or five coat hangers, uh, you know, the wire ones, and wire this tree together just to keep it standing. Uh, the tree is actually falling, it's leaning down. I think it would fall over. So I have it all wrapped on the bottom and then attached to the, the stand. Um, it, you know. Who knew that a coat hanger could be so useful? Uh, and then we, we got a, a can of white spray paint, spray painted all the, the top part of it just to infuse a little bit of life. You know, I'm probably gonna be dead long and gone, but this tree will probably outlive me. It will be here in Africa just shining, probably being passed from one missionary family <laughs> to the next. And I will be remembered with my Christmas tree. <laughs> So anyhow, I hope that maybe you've put your tree up by now. If you haven't, you know, have a good time doing that. <laughs> uh, we have New Year's right around the corner. Uh, you know, write those New Year's resolutions. I know people mock them. I like, you know, taking the year and then writing. This year, 20, 2023, I'll write down 23 different things I want to do. You know, maybe different aspects of my life in which I want to grow, um, whatever you want to write down. I mean, have a good time. The majority of the things that you write down should be realistic. You want to write down things that you know that you can do um, and then try your best. But take a couple of things to write down that are well outside your grasp. And you say, why? Why should I set myself up for failure? Because if we're never pushing ourselves to grow and to be more, well, then we're always going to be content with where we are. 
And so I always like putting down a couple of things that are just totally ridiculous. And I'm okay with that. And, and who knows, maybe one of these days I'll actually be able to achieve some of those far-reaching items. But it's a great time. You know, Christmas is called the most wonderful time of the year. I believe it. It's a time where we can remember the birth of Christ. We remember the gift of God to all mankind. It's a time of giving to each other, to our families. But it's also a time where we remember those that are less fortunate than ourselves. And so many during this time are donating to help these people in their time of need. But in a world of suffering and great need, where is our place as the church, as we're trying to fulfill the Great Commission? Because it's hard to watch people suffering. Uh, when we're watching people, that, especially children, suffering from malnutrition, it's difficult because these are innocents, these are vulnerables. And when we are being blessed by God, how can we just sit by and watch? How can we sit by and watch? We're, we're affected when we see people, when they lack education, when they lack opportunity. And our immediate response is to want to help. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But what is our role as a church, whether in America or sub-Saharan Africa? What is our role? What should our role be? Because there's two conflicting sides. On one hand, people will say, you know, Damon, we're not called to meet people's physical needs. That's not something that we should get involved in. It's going to distract us from our main goal, that is the gospel, to go and to tell people about Christ, to meet people in their spiritual need. If we focus on their physical needs, then we're not going to really accomplish anything of true value. When on the other hand, uh, the other side, they'll say, listen, we want to preach the gospel, but we also want to help people because we live with these people. We, we have compassion on these people, and so they want to get involved. And I understand both points of view, and both points of view have, have merit. You know, we can, when we look at the need, the sheer amount of need, the, the, the human need, Really, it is so overwhelming that we can get bogged down. We can get so focused. We could be swallowed and consumed in its employ as we try to make a difference physically. I mean, there are literally whole organizations set up just to help people in their time of physical need. And so as Christians trying to fulfill the Great Commission, I understand that it could take away from that main task that Christ has given us. But then the other side, I understand their point as well. How can we sit idly by and watch needless suffering and countless people just having a hard time while we, while we say what? You know, hey, I hope, you, I hope it goes well for you. Uh, I, hope things, I hope you find what you need. Uh, and, 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 and I have a little bit of a, an issue on this point though because how can we condemn those who want to help as we sit by, as we enjoy our safety and our security, as we enjoy the blessings of God? How can we condemn those who are really just trying to struggle with everyday life and death situations? Uh, I, it's difficult. It's a really difficult thing. But the question we need to ask ourselves is, is the church fulfilling its intended purpose with the Great Commission by trying to help in these areas. This needs to be the key point. 
We need to go back to the gospel. Whether in America or abroad, even here in sub-Saharan Africa, the purpose for the church is the same, and that is to make disciples. Right now, wherever you're listening to this broadcast, your church is to be making disciples. Just as our church here in Chapada, Zambia, we are to be making disciples. And the question that, that really brings us to is, have we steered off course, replacing the preaching of the gospel with helping people in their time of physical need? Where is the balance between having a gospel focus and then showing compassion? And so this is what we're going to be looking at today. I don't think the solution is to, to really just totally withdraw because how can we be the hands and feet of Jesus if we're also secluded to the point where we have a message for them, but we're not going to be there to assist in some way. And so we're going to talk about these points as we discuss prioritizing the gospel in a world of physical need. Because the needs are vast. The needs are great. And if we're not prioritizing the gospel, then how are we going to fulfill the function for which Christ made the church? This is what we call mission drift. It's when an organization loses its core values. It's when they lose sight of the very things that brought them together in the first place. And we don't want this to happen to the church. We don't want the church and God's people to forget why we are even an organized body. We don't want God's people to forget that we are here. Our very existence is to bring glory to God, to bring others to, to, so that others can know about Christ. This is our purpose. And yes, there are so many good things that you can do. We can talk about clean water, medical, uh, education. The list goes on and on. A lot of churches partner with organizations, uh, you know, especially around Christmas time, uh, like Operation Christmas Child. And there are, is so much good that you can do. I don't want to undervalue the good that is done. And I think that more Christians would do well to be more involved, to be more aware of what's going on in the world around them, to be more concerned about the people around them. But we must remember that mankind's greatest need lies in his relationship with God. And that is what it all comes down to. This must be and should remain our highest priority in everything we do. And it should be reflected in our giving. If the spiritual condition of a man is that he is guilty and condemned before God, then no amount of physical assistance is going to help him. No amount of physical assistance will touch the greatest need in his life. And true, these, these physical needs are important and they should be addressed, but we cannot devalue his greatest need. And when we talk about the, the Great Commission, it's about prioritizing the gospel in, every, in everything. If the church's main goal is to help with man's spiritual condition, like it is, we know that to be true, then we would do well to evaluate our priorities and the methods that we're employing to reach this goal. And I think it's good to have goals because if we're not looking at where we're going, then how are we going to get there? <laughs> if we're not looking at, at, at the end destination, at, at the very purpose, the goal of what we are doing, like with the church, 
if we're not looking as we are giving at what this, this funding is going towards and if it's really affecting man's spiritual condition, then how are we going to spiritually affect those that we want to change? When I'm discipling men in our church, I often ask them and I say, what are some of your goals? Uh, what do you want in your life? What are you working towards? I think that we need to know all of, all of this information because we need to know that we're going somewhere. We need to be intentional with our efforts. We need to know that as we're spending our time and as we're spending our money, that it, it is going towards furthering the gospel. If this is our mission, if the Great Commission is our core values, it's, if it's the core values on which our very church is built, then how do we intend to fulfill these core values? How do we intend to fulfill these core values in how we live and in how we give? And are our actions bringing us closer to reaching these goals? If the church only has a limited amount of manpower uh, and money and time to commit to the Great Commission, then we need to be as effective as possible. And we would do well to look at how we are doing and to ask, in which direction are we going? We would do well to be honest and to really evaluate our focus and whether our focus is truly on furthering the gospel or if we are wanting to simply help people to live better lives and to be better off. And again, that's not a bad thing. But as the church, we need to be prioritizing the gospel. This needs to be on the forefront. In Mark chapter 14, in verse 3, there's the account of Mary anointing Jesus. And it's a really interesting exchange between Mary, the disciples, and Christ. And I want to read a couple of verses because I think there's something that we can learn here. The Bible says, Mark chapter 14, verse 3 through 9, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever the go this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. So just to kind of recap what is going on here, Mary has a very expensive box of, of ointment, and she's anointing Christ. Now, this ointment is costing 300 pence, about one year's worth salary. That's a lot of money. Uh, it doesn't matter in which time period you live. One year's wages, just pouring it and anointing someone. You know, the disciples, they're like, what is she doing? And 
just like a lot of people, they're looking at Mary and they're thinking, why? Why is Mary wasting her money? It could have gone to so many other useful purposes. I mean, she could have given it to the Salvation Army, the Habitat for Humanity, the, the Hunger Project. There are so many other ways in which Mary could have spent that, that money instead of just pouring it out and wasting it. But Jesus then, he teaches a lesson on priorities and valuing him even over helping those with physical needs. And I think it's, it's kind of strange, the words of Christ. But he says, he, he looks at them and he says, For ye have the poor with you always. He says, you have the poor with you always. <laughs> they're there. They're always going to be there. They're, they're not, and they're not going anywhere. Mary could have helped the poor. She could have helped the vulnerables. And I think Jesus indicated that there was value in doing that. I mean, he said, and, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. I, I think there is value in helping the poor. But the Bible says she chose to do what she could to honor Jesus. And I think that's where Christ was going. He, he said that she was honoring him. Her sacrifice was directed at honoring Christ. And yes, everything we do can be done to honor God. And the same can apply to helping other people. We can give to others. We can donate, even through Operation Christmas Child. Uh, and that could be done as to the Lord. But we have to ask ourselves, how is the name of Jesus directly being glorified through our charitable giving? As we're giving, as we're donating, and as we're trying to build awareness around different things, how is that directly glorifying God? And, and the ways in which we can give, if we can give in ways where Christ is being directly honored, directly glorified, then I think that is a more acceptable sacrifice from a child of God. How is the message and the person of Christ being uplifted? And that's what Mary understood. I mean, the disciples wanted to give to all those charitable organizations to help the poor. And Christ said, she's honoring me. And today, there are so many charitable organizations that we can give to, but how are we honoring Christ? How is Christ's name being uplifted through the giving that we're doing? But he takes it a step further by memorializing Mary's gift of love and telling how it would be remembered as the gospel was preached around the world. Her story became part of his. And, and that is quite an honor. But what is the connection between Mary and the preaching of the gospel everywhere around the world? How, how does that connect? I mean, we're talking about the death of Christ. We're talking about the disciples, the poor. And then Jesus brings up how, you know, and it's everywhere that the gospel is preached that Mary is going to be remembered. You know, I think that this is the type of love, the love that we see here. This is the type of love that would fuel the hearts of the disciples for generations to come as the gospel would be preached around the world, crossing borders. It was the love of the disciples that is exemplified in Mary that we see here, just prioritizing Christ and, and doing what she could to honor him.
And if you're motivated by this type of love, then you're going to have that same desire to prioritize Christ as well. But you know, this, this, it's a very nuanced discussion that we're talking about right now. And the last thing I want is to offend anyone. And if you give to different organizations, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that we need to make sure that the priority in everything we do is around the gospel. Now, we can go to Matthew chapter 14. We can go to Mark chapter 8. And we see that also there's another side of Christ where he had compassion on people. In Matthew chapter 14, uh, Jesus had compassion and he healed the sick. Uh, in Mark chapter 8, he had compassion and because they didn't have anything to eat, so he fed them. These are miracles. And we can read about so many other great things that he did and that his disciples did. Uh, but they were done largely to confirm and point people to the gospel, not to replace the gospel. You see, the true focus needs to be the gospel. And I think even when Christ was doing these good things for people around him, it was for a purpose. We do see a biblical precedent for acts of compassion in the context of a gospel focus. From time to time, we've participated with what we call compassion projects. And we've done different things throughout the years. Um, there have been times where we've drilled wells, we've had medical teams in, we've had the Joseph Project, our small-scale food program, uh, during the times of hunger and starvation. Uh, we've worked and partnered with the local clinic, uh, with the Baby Baskets program, as we bring in women that wouldn't otherwise have access to the hospital for the delivery of their child. So we know that a lot of good was done, and it, it really makes our hearts really just really happy knowing that so many people uh, were helped, so many people were assisted, lives were changed, lives were saved, um, and, and we know that, and that really, it, it, it gives us a good feeling, and I think that we should be involved to help people, and to do good, but at the same time, um, it's not, we're not just doing good because we want to do good, but we want to focus on the gospel. With every project, for instance, that we have done at Hope Zambia, we have always put the gospel in the forefront. When we are drilling wells, we're bringing the village together for the preaching of the gospel. We are literally preaching to every man and woman and child as we are drilling, uh, or before the drilling, rather. And even after it's all done, uh, the door is often opened for us to come in for Bible studies and even potential church plants. And so there is so much, so much good for the gospel and for the furtherance of God's kingdom that is accomplished as we are moving forward when we're intentional with our, our charitable actions. So it's not just about doing good. It's not just about helping people. It's not just about giving. It's about prioritizing the gospel. Uh, there was a time in the village where there was a man who felt threatened. He was a, actually a pastor of a local church and he thought we were you know, coming in to take over his ministry and to do this and that. He went to the chief, he was speaking ill, telling lies about who we were and what we wanted. Uh, and the chief looked at him and said, uh, Pastor Damon has started a church, he's drilled wells, he's planted trees, he's worked with the clinics. If there's any misunderstanding, 
in this situation. And, and he's speaking to this man. And he said, the misunderstanding is with you. Uh, basically, if you have a problem, <laughs> you need to get over it. But our actions spoke for themselves. And the people knew that we cared for them, that we wanted to help. But it was always with a motive of trying to bring them closer to God. We're not haphazardly just trying to have these compassion projects because there's so many needs out there. Every project that we try to get behind uh, has been to confirm and to propagate the gospel, but never to replace it. And this is really important because the Great Commission is about bringing people to Jesus. The Great Commission isn't about simply helping people. The Great Commission isn't about just trying to better people's lives. Um, otherwise, that would be a prosperity gospel. But we know that Christ, he saw the multitudes, he had compassion. We're, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, even Jesus, he fed people. Jesus, he healed people. His disciples, they did the same. And I think we can follow in their footsteps. And we see a biblical precedent for these acts of compassion, not only with Christ, but also in the early church. In Acts chapter 4, I'm going to read verse, verses 1, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Uh, and in the early church, one of the first problems that they experienced was in this area of, you know, doing good and helping people and taking care of people. Uh, we see here, the Bible says, And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So in Acts chapter 6, the apostles here they are expressly telling the church, they're saying, hey, we want to prioritize the ministry of the word without neglecting the care for the poor and the widows. Uh, they didn't just want to leave them high and dry. Uh, they didn't look at the church and say, hey, guys, listen here. Jesus gave us a higher calling. Jesus gave us a spiritual ministry. We are the church. You know, if they want physical things, let them go to a different organization that, where they can be helped. That's not what they said. They prioritized the gospel, but they still did what they could to help those around them. They were, they were part of this faith community. They were trying to take care of their own. And I think we can learn from that. We can learn to prioritize the ministry of the Word of God, to prioritize the gospel because there's going to be so many opportunities. And how do we know where to get involved? How do we know what to give to? How do we know what is legitimate and what really has great value? Because, I mean, suffering is suffering. People that are hurting need help. So where can we get involved? You know, if we're ready to be honest, we need to ask ourselves, is the gospel being properly handled and prioritized as we serve? in a world of great need? And are the goals that we establish, are they relevant to the gospel? As we're looking for opportunities to help and opportunities to give, we should do so with a gospel 
focus. Let our giving confirm and point others to the gospel, not to replace it. We don't want to preach a prosperity gospel, just how simply their lives can be bettered, how we want to go and to, you know, to help them and to, to assist them and so that they can be better off for it. We want them to have peace with God. We want them to be reconciled with God, to find salvation, to accept this gift of eternal life. And, and that's really the ultimate goal. Through our giving and through the good that we do, through our actions, through our very lives, everything that we do should be pointing people to Christ. Remember that love that Mary had, that memorial that Jesus spoke of her, saying wherever the gospel is going to be preached, they're going to remember Mary because that was a great love. And that's the same kind of love that we need to have, a love that doesn't just prioritize the poor, but prioritizes the Lord and his name and propagating the gospel. And as we do that, we can be helping those around us. So if you are looking for ways in which you can help, at Hope Zambia, we have a number of gospel-focused projects that we are currently involved in, namely uh, one that I am really excited about, our radio ministry. I think radio is a great platform in preaching the gospel, um, and it's going to be such a tool to, to use, not just in Chapada, but for the whole of the eastern province as we preach God's word, as we lead people to the Lord, and as we tell people about the church that we are starting in the city of Chapada. But it's going to be broadcasted everywhere in the eastern province, even into parts of Mozambique and Malawi. This is a great opportunity, but we need help. We can't do it alone. And so we're looking for, for people who would love to partner with us as we help fund this particular project. If you're interested, you can either go to our website at hopezambia.com and look under the donate section for how you can give and how you can partner, um, or just, or just uh, co comment on this post. Uh, let me know, write me directly and say, hey, uh, Brother Damon, how can I get involved? Because listen, we are in this together. We wanna do good, we wanna help people, but we need to prioritize the gospel. We need to put him first. And I know that we can. We have a great support team. We couldn't do what we do without people like you, people that have uh, had that vision of being part of the Great Commission, not just where you live, but around the world. So thank you so much for your part in helping us do the ministry and to continue the ministry of the word here in Zambia, Africa. We really love you all and we're thankful for uh, our friendship and our relationship with you. Uh, please continue to pray for us. And until then, uh, stay tuned for the next episode, hopefully next week. I want to do these weekly. Uh, occasionally something happens and I'm, I have to miss a week, but I'm going to do my best. So greetings to everyone, wherever you may be, and have a great uh, Christmas season as we get ready to celebrate the birth of our Lord. Take care, and we'll see you later. Bye.